Oh, pirates, yes, they rabbi. Sold I to the merchant ships. Minutes after they took I from the bottomless pit. <laughs> but my hand was made strong by the end of the Almighty. We forward in this generation triumphantly. Won't you help to sing? <laughs> that was amazing. Come Absolutely. on. What were you nervous about? He was about? setting us up. Come on. Come on. That was brilliant, That man. was amazing. Honestly. So that was Todd from Brefasco. And uh, we're sitting across from Todd and Eric at Brefasco's headquarters. What are we going to talk about today, guys? We're going to be talking about safety. Safety. Lots of safety stuff. Carlito will be all over me on that one. Oh, I love safety. <laughs> <laughs> we're at Profasco, so uh, if you guys want to find out where they're at, they're at Profasco on IG, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn. And then uh, www.profasco.com, and then the email is canadianservice at hdsupply.com, and the phone number to reach them is one 272 and I just found out that that spells Profasco. It does. Whose idea was that? <laughs> That's clever. Some marketing genius. That's clever, man. That's totally clever. So I like that. So we're going to talk a lot about safety. But Carlito, what do you want to do first? You know what? I think you should warm them up and uh, we should go history with Manny. Well, you don't want to do history first. Yeah. You don't want to do bone first. No, let's do history with Manny. So I want to ask you guys, back in 2017, fatalities. How many fatalities did we have in Canada, across Canada? What do you guys think the number is? Job site fatalities? Yes. Reported. Reported, reported. workplace fatalities. That's, that's a key point. Reported. Yeah. How many do you guys think? My guess would be 500. What do you think, Eric? I'm going to go with 700. 951. 951. And the figure went up, right? So it went up from 2016, which was 904. It was 852 in 2015. These aren't good numbers, man. These no, are bad horrible. numbers. And the reality is that it should be zero. Yeah. Like it honestly should be zero, right? So here's the other, some other stats that um, the overwhelming majority of workplace fatalities happen to men. So out of those 951, 920 were men. 56% of those workers killed on the job were over the age of 64. Yeah. Wow. Right now, here's here's some other stats for you millennials out there. Twenty three of those aged between fifteen to twenty four. Wow, that's that's horrible. a lot, man. That's yeah. a lot, but that's down actually. So that's down from twenty sixteen, right? From twenty five. And then, if you're looking at uh, lost time claims across the whole country back in twenty seventeen, what do you guys think time wise? How many hours do you think that they lost as a result of any kind of injury? Okay, I mean, it's hard to tell, but it's yeah. basically six figures. It's 251,000 plus wow. hours of lost time. I thought it would be more. You know what? I mean, the numbers, I'm, I'm assuming, get better. These are 2017, so I really don't know about what they are recently, but I'm hoping the numbers have gotten better. I could say on this list here when I was doing this research, Ontario was the safest province. That's a good thing to say. Yeah. Alberta came in second. New Brunswick was the top three, was part of the top three. Manitoba was worse was the bad, the worst one out of a bunch. I wonder really? why. I wonder why, right? Yeah. So I just thought that was interesting information. I mean, I've got like little breakdowns here across the whole board, but bottom line is that all these numbers should be zero across the board. That's Agreed. the truth of it, right? 
we want to get talking about this and we want to find out from you guys what can we do to actually get these numbers down to zero yeah it's a great question manny you know as providers of safety equipment and safety uh, services it's our goal to have people return home the way they showed up on the job that day and unfortunately as you just read it doesn't happen no you also read the stats of the alarming number of males that that entails as well and i think pride and stubbornness is a huge part of it oh i completely agree unfortunately on the sales side of it pride and stubbornness is there as well you know you go to sell someone uh, i'll use an example you know they're working at heights you go to sell someone a harness kit and they look at you and go i don't need that i've been working like this for years oh, i've I never had that. an accident we hear it every day every single day what is that is that the masculinity telling him to say that is that what it is I, I think it has a part of it absolutely they unfortunately probably got bad training from their boss at one point or their supervisor and that just carried on onto the next job and we see it every day and we also see on the other side we see after the accident as well many people come in every single day say we just had an accident on site i need all these materials i need all these services quite often can be the very person that said no to you the day before right so, so it's real unfortunate so you, how often do you guys see that every day every day every single day unfortunately i hear a lot about a lot of accidents really huh? on site i just got emailed a document two days ago about five different incidents with knives people stabbing themselves with knives utility knives yep what is it that they're just not leaving them open and then they throw them back into their pouch or they like what no, happened they're trying to cut materials they're being you know cutting towards themselves improper hand position improper leg position not wearing the right ppe things okay, like that okay so like i want to get right into it. and by the way carlito are you here yeah listen this is going great i will definitely add in like i could say i know a lot of companies now that aren't using exacto blades anymore they're using banana knives now. no hang on a sec don't say exacto because you know you point a finger well, at a specific brand well you, you just said banana knives that was included in the the document there wow really yeah started cutting away from him but he had his hand in front of the knife that he was cutting and he stabbed himself ouch so now we need to train people how to use a knife it's actually been something that in my total career in safety i've heard since day one is that we need to train people on knives and it still hasn't happened so as much as it sounds funny it's so true that people really need to know how to use a knife that's crazy like, well, i, I want to get down to the numbers i really want to figure out like for whatever reason i think one of my first aid kits i ever purchased was from you guys it wasn't crazy expensive so we're not talking about we get that harnesses are getting expensive and they, they only last so many years. What's, what's the actual rating on a... There is no expiration date to a harness. Wait a minute. I thought... Any fall protection. I thought there was. No. There is not. Really? As There's long a... as it passes its, its yearly or every six months inspection from a competent person, you can keep it in use. And you forever. tag it. Yep. It has yeah. to be... The competent person inspection has so to be So who's reported. the competent person here? The one using the banana knife? <laughs> <laughs> well you have to prove competency okay so how do you prove competency because that happens question. every single day realistically the only person and, and this is true for a lot of things in safety the only person that would deem whether somebody's competent or not would be a judge in a court case okay Full well we stop. don't have any of those on a job site we Hopefully think we, we do some guys think they are yeah what what the 
the rules actually say about competency is somebody that can prove that they have experience either a combination of reading manuals, doing training courses, or experience on the job would be somebody who's deemed competent. Specifically, what it says about fall protection is it's somebody other than the user who is competent. So okay. somebody who knows what they're looking for and knows how to properly fail and check a harness or lanyard or SRL. Are we getting to the tradespeople too late in the game? Are we getting these young guys that are thinking that they're invincible and they don't need it? Or are we getting young guys coming into this business thinking that we do need it? We should actually be training sooner. I think it's definitely taking a turn for the better. I think the trade schools are doing a much better job than what they used to promoting safety and having certifications as mandatory coming out of trade school. But at the same time, if they don't go to trade school and just get hired as a journeyman or, or whatever, you take that risk of does that foreman have that type of training or that mentality in them to pass that on to that individual. And I think it's even bigger than that. Sometimes uh, you could be a very, have common sense and you could understand and do really well for 20 years and not, never have a problem, but you could have a fight with your wife and Absolutely. you come to work emotional, exhausted, yep. and you're not on your A-game. It only takes one minute for you not to notice something or just put your hand across something the wrong way and you have yourself a, uh, an accident. Yeah, for sure. And there's so many kinds of accidents, unfortunately. You know that list you read at the beginning? I can't even imagine how many are different. You know, the most common ones are definitely fall-related that we see, cut-related that Eric was mentioning even uh, your breathing apparatus for the type of work that you're doing. I can't tell you how many times I see individuals working on aggregate or landscaping stone, not wearing a mask, yeah. and they're breathing in silica, and that's a huge problem. It goes so much beyond just fall protection and cutting and that type of thing. It's, it's all-encompassing. Is it the solution regarding the silica? Because a lot of the landscaper guys, the hardscaper guys, are connecting the water so if they connect the water device to the actual tool, is that removing the silica? No, it's not, right? No. That's what I thought. It'll help keep the dust down. Done, but, but you still get airborne silica. Eliminate it. Absolutely. Right? So the only way to get rid of it is vacuum, right? Correct. And, and uh, your respirator. respirator. Even when you're under vacuum, you'll still get dust. But you also have to factor in the people that are around you because then now yep. they're not wearing respirators, right? Yep. So, I mean, I want to get into a lot of detail stuff here. I want to talk a lot about what the guys should be doing because I know that we're wearing maybe the wrong filters, the wrong mask, the wrong mm -hmm. situation, the wrong safety goggles or whatever, right? Well, so it, One of the biggest things that I find about people with respirators is, first of all, confusing a respirator and a mask because they're different. A respirator is actually something that is approved by an agency that filters things out. It needs to be tight fitting with even pressure all the way around your face. You got to have that Planet of the Apes monkey face when you take it off, right? <laughs> yeah. You have to have it. I'm telling you, you do. That's just reality, right? Uh, not always. Okay. Sometimes I that's, do. A, that's a sign of over tightening. All right. Which is what some people do. But um, the other thing that uh, I see a lot is people who aren't clean shaven. That is kind of the number one thing that I see. I can't tell you the last time I used a razor on my face, man. Well, yeah, you can wear a full mask. And well, then you then wouldn't that's have, where a you're have to go, right? Actually, so. he can't. If that you're wearing a full face respirator, it's still where it seals against your face. You're going to have facial hair. So. And if you have facial hair, it's going to be lifting up the side of the respirator. And we're talking about particles that are, you know, less than one fifth the width of your facial hair. The respirator edge lifts up, 
gives it a little bit of a channel for that silica dust or, so or what's whatever it is. So what's, yeah. what's our, our handsome-looking individual who's <laughs> not clean-shaven supposed to do so here? There is a policy that is out there in the oil field that you can do with you want to have facial hair and wear a tight-fitting respirator. And what it is is you take about an inch of Vaseline and you put it on your face between the seal of the respirator and your face, and that will provide a, a good seal. Oh, that's nothing for many. He eats sausages all the time, <laughs> Portuguese. <laughs> really? So you want us to but put Vaseline around the perimeter no, the, of the mask? No, you're, you should be shaving. What? That, that, that's, a, that's a very oddball situation, and it requires upkeep of making sure you have the right amount of Vaseline and also people overseeing that procedure. So I don't personally recommend it, and I don't think anybody should be going that route. You should be clean-shaven. I if just not, see, I you go see to a loose-fitting hood, which is a power air purifying respirator. I know, but now you're you're basically doing now you're in thousands of dollars. Yeah, your your spray foam guys are doing that, right? Because yeah. they actually have to completely contain themselves. So my advice is to shave. Shave. If you wear a respirator, you should shave. Shave or Vaseline. Again, my advice as a safety professional. Or basically another <laughs> typical weekend at Carlito's house. Right? Well, <laughs> I I mean. You know, this is a really a big problem. People are rushing at the job site, and they always just say, oh, I'll go put it on. I'll get to it. And they never do. It could be as simple as, you know, being a tile setter. The porcelain and the marble, they're just as dangerous as the asbestos or the fiberglass. Once they get into your lungs, you don't know the kind of diseases well, okay, five, ten years from now. Why don't I point the fingers at drywallers? They're rotozipping. Yep. You don't see drywallers actually using any mask, let alone just an N95 mask, when they're actually hanging drywall. And they're rotozipping and all that drywall, and we learned this really quickly on that podcast, it's actually more harmful than silica. Is that true or not true? I don't know the specifics. I would actually have to take a look at that okay. safety data sheet and take a look into it, because I haven't looked into it. But I do know silica is absolutely horrible for yourself well the eye-opener um, for me when teddy was on the show we were talking about drywall is that he showed it to the younger guys he basically took that dry drywall dust on the gr on the ground and poured water on it and he said that's your lung yeah so the moisture inside your lung and you're breathing in that dry yep. drywall dust and it's mixing inside your lung now i don't know if it's more dangerous than silica because silica gets in your lungs and it never leaves it leaves it stays and how it, it stays for life and wow. how it actually damages you your cells from your immune system try to break down the silica by engulfing it, and then your cell produces acid. And that produces acid so much because it can't actually break down the silica. It's too hard, so that acid builds up, and then it ends up killing the cell. It bursts, release the acid into your lungs. And then another cell comes, swallows the piece of silica, produces acid to break it down. It bursts, release acid to your lungs. So it's that acid from your own body that scars your lungs. Wow. And that's, Holy cow. And, it, and when you get enough scar tissue built up, you can't transfer any oxygen from the air into your bloodstream. So the end result is you basically suffocate. So you're down to like no capacity to breathe. Exactly. Pretty scary. It that's is. It's very scary. It is. It's very serious stuff. It is a regulation here in Ontario. I can't speak to Canada. Eric can probably speak to Canada. But, you know, the U.S. is way ahead of us on this silica portion as well. They made it mandatory across all jobs to have the vacuums attached to everything where we have it in the code book but it's not being enforced enforced unfortunately it's can a huge problem can you get fined now well, Absolutely. you can always get fined because the laws in canada everywhere is always you have to protect your workers 
That's basically what it comes down to. So they can find you for pretty much anything. So who's leading in safety? Like which country do you guys know offhand? I mean, I, I'm a little disappointed that the U.S. is ahead of Canada. In, in safety as a whole, you, you can't just say w one particular country is leading the way because every country leads in their own respective fields kind of thing. A lot of the more unique solutions right now, particularly on the fall production side, I'm, I'm seeing some cool stuff come out of Europe. On the dust extraction, a lot of the companies like Bosch and are, are leading the way with that for trying to cut down the amount of silica. So it really depends on what you're, what you're looking at within safety. There's always a lot of innovations that are happening. Did you hear that, Carlito? He said Bosch. Hmm. I like Bosch. <laughs> <laughs> Since we're on the topic of masks, can you tell us a little bit about what masks fit what part of the jobs? Well, if you walk into any supply store and you see something that's labeled as a dust mask, don't get that confused with a respirator, first of all. Completely different. A dust mask is not really providing much filtering capacity. It's also not something that is tight fitting to your face, so you don't get a good seal. Stuff will leak in. So that typical cone face white mask is just a typical dust mask, but it's not really doing so it. What's what it you, used for? What you need to be looking for is, if, especially if you're dealing with silica, is something that is rated. And the most common rating system that we have that we use in North America comes out of the U.S. called NIOSH. And uh, that's where you get your N95 designation from or your P100. Uh, the letter means something, the number means something. So your N means non-oil. So if you think about something like uh, if I'm spraying WD-40, that will create an oil mist, right? If I'm using an N95 mask, that mask is going to get oil built up on it and start to break down. So you'd look for something that is like a, a P95 or a P100. The P means oil proof. Really? So that's not going to break down. And then there's also an R rating, which is resistant, which would be for eight hours. So you got to pick the right one there. And then the number system also means something. So N95, that'll be non-oil, 95% filter efficiency. And then you have a 99 and a 100. 100 means it's 99.97% filter efficient. So a lot of these guys are using the mask all week long, and that's useless. It's good for Monday, but come Friday, it's useless. Well, if you're using a disposable N95 mask, really you should be replacing it once you go for break. We're not even wow. at the eight hour, depending on the scope of work that you're doing, is that the idea or you just... You well, it's a disposable mask and as soon as you unseat it from your face, how do you know you're going to reseat it back in the proper spot? With that metal nose clip that you bend in place, you got to make sure that that is exactly where it was before. How do you make sure that you get a perfect seal every single time? So aren't we, I mean, we're having a big problem nowadays because of what's going on, right? I mean, you guys, are you guys all stocked up? Can somebody walk in here and all of a sudden purchased a mask that we need them, that we can get rid of them on break and then get rid of them on lunch, and no, well, we don't. <laughs> N95 don't. masks are incredibly hard to come by. If I had to guess towards the end of 2021, maybe 2022, we'll start to see the supply the way it was before. That long? Probably. Wow. I'm speaking to some manufacturers and they have more back orders in the system than they have capacity to produce in a year. Huh. So let's go down the filter range. I want to know what other kind of filters we're supposed to be using for different trades. Who's supposed to be doing what? Bricklayers, tile setters, drywallers. Who's supposed to be touching what? Within the construction, the most common filter you're going to get is the particulate filter. Drywall and all of that stuff will get caught up because it's an actual particle that's floating in the air. Uh, once you start getting into things like working with gasolines or some solvents and things like that, now you're going to need an organic vapor cartridge. 
and possibly something that is organic vapor plus a particulate put together in one. The organic vapor cartridge basically is activated charcoal, so it'll scrub the air out. But if you are something that's dealing with a solvent, but you also have silica in the air, you do need that dual protection because that activated charcoal, the particles are just going to go straight through. Uh, one of the other benefits with uh, that NIOSH system that I talked about is everything's all color-coded as well. That's why the P100s that you get, they're all pink. And then know. your organic vapor, that'll be black. And you get different colors for the different types of hazards. The one thing that I stress to, to people, and I had kind of brought this up in a way in passing in the beginning, when you asked me whether or not drywall was harmful or more harmful than silica, I asked to see the safety data sheet, the SDS sheet. That's where you're going to find the information for any solvent or chemical that you're working with. How hazardous is it to you? What can it cause? And what your PPE is that you should be wearing to make sure you protect yourself from that. Is it because the drywall industry has not given up this information or they just don't want to make it make no, polite? No, on? It's, no, no, it's it, there. it has to be available. It's it has to there. be If you yeah. produce a product that's being used in the construction industry or anywhere, you have to have the data behind that product. 100%. If it's hazardous, it has to have that sheet. Well, yep. and not only that, but a real con, and I shouldn't say, I shouldn't use the word real contractor, but a contractor that's aware of the laws and what he has to have on his job site, you should have a job box and you should have that data sheet. Like if, if you know what you're using day in and day out, when an inspector comes to the job site, he may want to see that data sheet. Correct. And if yep. you don't have that data sheet available, like I, I make photocopies, like if I go to the paint store, I say to the guy, Oh, I'm using that Emerald. Can you get a data sheet for him? And he's like, yeah, two minutes while it's being mixed. And he'll give me the paper and I'll put yep. it away. And I can get, let the homeowner read it so they know what uh, their children need to be worried about or if they have any kind of respiratory uh, diseases or anything, they can deal with that also, right? For sure. That is yeah. law to, as a company, any company, they have to have that available to the employees so they can look up what is the hazard. Sawdust. Dangerous? Any yeah. type of dust. It, any it, type of dust. Uh, it can be dangerous in the part that it kind of clogs your lungs, and obviously we, do, we don't want that. But also certain types of wood have chemicals in them that are known carcinogens. I'm not an expert in this, but I do believe that cedar is one of them. It is, yeah. I think it's number four. We're very allergic to it as humans, right? Some. Yeah. The tricky thing about this is we could be here talking specs all day because literally every job is different. All materials are different. Every circumstance is different. The best thing that any contractor can do is ask an expert. When you call us, we pride ourselves on having the expertise on hand, no charge, to give you that information and give you the best foot forward on your job. Because every day people are showing up to work not knowing what they're working with, not knowing how to work with it. When we have experts like Eric, and he's not our only expert, it makes your jobs easier. It's that initial bit of pain that no one wants to go through, saying, I don't know. I think well, it's even more important to talk about, we're worried about today. I'm already worried about retiring. Yeah. I want to have a nice retirement. I want to have money saved. Physical, but even more, if I've already put 35 years of hard work into construction and I've had a happy life and what I think is a healthy body, yep. Most of the people I know are dying at between 45 and 50, almost into retirement. So they spent their whole life working so hard and working hard and fast and, you know, coming home. But then they retire and it's over because not they, a weren't health, they weren't healthy. They weren't wearing the mask. They weren't doing the right things, asking you guys or calling you guys for the information. That's not yeah. a coincidence. 
right? It's it's a hundred percent fact that if you play with fire long enough, you're going to get burnt. That's and true. the sad <laughs> truth is that all of this is avoidable. Uh, you you are a hundred percent like you. We again. can go to work. We can go to every job site. We can go and talk to the GC. We can find out which trades are on site today. Yeah. What materials are being mixed? What work is being completed? Mm -hmm. And we can actually determine what we need to protect ourselves and protect everybody on that job site. When the MOL shows up, a lot of people panic. A lot of people see them as a nuisance. They are there to help you. They are there to prolong your life. I wish that mindset would flip as to, oh no, they're here, you know, stop production. It's not that. It's, you know, they're seeing the statistics. They have instant access to the worst possible scenarios because they're the ones going to those sites, right? You know, we had the crane fall. Oh yeah, recently. Uh, I think a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, in Toronto and luckily no one got hurt but imagine you know that's two crane falls in two months in toronto i'm grateful that no one got hurt but now they'll be on that site making sure it doesn't happen again that's what they're there for that's what we're here for to help provide the the products and services so the mol will come in make recommendations your first call should be to us we will get you the products to get you off their radar number one and get you safe I think two things are happening too, out of sight, out of mind. So if you don't yep. practice and you're not around the right people, like if I go to a big box store, I'm not going to get that kind of attention. If I come and see you guys, you guys are going to be able to put me in the right direction and I'm going to hear it all the time. Correct. And that's going to become a habit and that's more important than anything else. Well, it's kind of interesting because, and I don't want to take any shots at the big box stores or anything mm -hmm. like that, but I think they're primarily focused at consumers. Yeah. But also yeah. we have consumers listening to us and they should be aware of what they do. Absolutely. So, like, don't start demoing the... your house, not realizing what year, what decade it was. And don't start thinking, oh, wait a minute, all that blown in the insulation, it's looking kind of plasticky. Yeah. I wonder if that's potentially asbestos. Yeah. Right. And they don't think anything of it at that point. So they should also be very aware of what we're doing. We will gladly help that consumer. You know, we are open to the public. We're not a public store but we do deal with the public, if that makes sense at all. It's ironic. I mean, we're in the construction industry and we're in the, living the digital age and everybody is so savvy with social media, but yet they're not using social media for its true purpose, which is basically educating all of us Correct. and keeping all of us safe. Yep. You know, as much as we can use the filters and make ourselves look great and make our jobs look great, why don't we make ourselves look great when we're older, man? Yeah, you know, use the experts. We have well over 40 locations across Canada and we're in all the pockets that are busy for the contractors, for the trades. That's what we're there for. It doesn't cost anything to call us and ask for advice. One of the weird things that I find that I've heard from multiple people in, in my time here is they don't want me to go to site. They don't want to talk to me because they think that I'm going to cost them more money. How is that? Just because they think that I'm going to push the expensive solution to a problem. Yeah. But there's, there's two things about that. One is... I can't tell you the amount of times that I've gone into a job site where they're thinking about something big and elaborate and I turn around and I sell them a $5 item and then say, this will solve your problem. That's brilliant. Or I just give them advice of, you know, as we're talking about knives, instead of going in and, you know, having to spend three times more on a ceramic blade that doesn't cut your skin as easily and all this other stuff, you can just talk about best practices for cutting. That doesn't cost anything, you know. But it's also surrounding yourself with the right products and the right corporations that you're dealing with and mm -hmm. like 
dealing with you guys, there's a little bit more one-on-one connection where, and I, again, we're not picking up big box stores, but if I go into a big box store, a lot of times I'll be listening to someone that's working there and they're doing their best to sell something, but they're selling the wrong product because mm-hmm. they don't know enough about the products, right? Mm-hmm. Or they don't have the right product on the store. That's right. On the shelf. One of the things that I've talked to multiple people about is uh, duty ratings on ladders. Ladders have weight capacities to them. If you walk into our store and take the average price of a ladder and walk into a big box store and take a look at the average price of a ladder, what do you think is going to be more expensive? Yours. What do you think is going to be safer? Yours. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, some of these some of these ratings are just 200 pounds. Which is... And uh, it's 200 pounds with... With your tools. With your tools. But, but I, what yeah. I also see all the time, because I got guys around me all the time in trades... It doesn't matter how much you weigh. It's almost the, the stronger, better product. When the guys are throwing the ladder under the trailer or throwing yeah. it on top of the trailer, don't don't uh, better, don't talk to me about that. Well, <laughs> it, it, the, the thing is, though, I don't want to tippy toe around things that are actually really happening in the industry. Yep. This is th- this yep. is a great time for us to have an open conversation about something we would have on the job site without people listening. And I think people really need to hear that. You shouldn't be throwing that. We know that, but people do it. Yeah. And I, I watched yeah. a guy throw a ladder in between a, a trailer and a building, and I saw ping, 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 like a like a, a ping pong ball. And I was like, "Yep, you know why, that wasn't why was a good." Why was he la- throwing a ladder? People are in a rush. Everyone's in a rush. Get in, get out. You <sighs> know what? They shouldn't be painting them either, because the paint will hide damage, right? Or putting a sticker, putting. Well, the they'll damage the warning or the rating or the specifications, yep. all these key information. But it could hide, you know, you could paint right over a stress fracture yeah, and, and, and then all not of a sudden you it, go right? on there and then boom. Especially yeah. with fiberglass ladders, they'll change color depending on the damage that they get. Uh, whether it's sun UV damage, it'll start to fade, chemical damage. Painting you, over that, it, it hides, hides it. it. You, you know, the, the older guys who used to drive the vets, man, they know this. Right. <laughs> That's just, for all you young guys, Corvettes were made with fiberglass. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so we're at Profasco, and we're having a very interesting conversation. I almost feel like we're going to go to the doctor's office next, man, to get a physical. It but doesn't need to be that way, Manny. <laughs> I'm just I'm saying I'm feeling like that, but it's very educational. This is stuff that... I don't even know, and I love it, and I, I'm expecting people to DM me and go, "Was it? Is that true? Is it really true?" I go reach out to Profasco, man, because that's what we're doing now. So we're at the the main store here, the main branch up in Vaughn here, and we're at Profasco on IG, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and LinkedIn. www.profasco.com. The email is Canadian Service at hdsupply.com, and the phone number to reach them and ask them any questions. You might catch Eric, you might catch Todd, but there's like lots of other guys here, right? There's other versions of Eric and Todd's, right? Correct. One triple eight two seven two three two seven two, and that actually spells Profasco. It does. So we have a little segment that we have to do right now, which is the construction bone. It's like a monkey in that organ grinder thing, <laughs> eh? It's like that. So I know this is not really safety um, related. Can I have a peanut, please? <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, guys. Um, do you guys know what the minimum open space distance is allowed in front of a shower or bathtub according to the Ontario Building Code. What's the minimum? I'm a safety guy. (laughs) (laughs) But do you not take showers and do you not take baths and do you not step out and think, wait, this doesn't feel like I have enough space here. I'm going to say three feet minimum. What do you say? Can I just copy his answer? He's sure. a smart guy. You guys are right, man. It's actually 35.43 inches. It translates to 900 millimeter. That's your minimum that you're allowed to left open in front of a wet area like that. That's all. One and, for one. 
So, uh, so I'm also curious. What's the minimum length of your hand shower hose? Hand shower hose. What's the minimum length? I'm going to say four feet. That's exactly what I was thinking. This one's uh, five feet. That's your wow. minimum. Wow. 59 inches, 1,500 millimeters. Wow. I always go for the you 72. Know, you know what? I'm going to put a measuring tape to it next time I go No, <laughs> when you buy a shower, the hoses, they sell them in fives or I don't know if I've ever seen three or fours, but the minimum is supposed to be five. I'm guessing so that if it falls, it's below the, the tub, the tub line perhaps. It's running. I don't know if it's that. Maybe it's that. I thought it was so you can reach the whole area to clean it to rinse it off. That's why yeah. I always go with the 72. I always recommend clients to go with the 72. There you go. Which is a six footer. And that was. That was construction <laughs> bone. No, that was building code talk, man. Oh, why are we talking about that then? Sorry. So I thought you were going to keep it with the safety theme and then ask me questions about, you know, what, what's There's the There's nothing safety in building code. Yeah. <laughs> Permanent anchor there's points. There's structural. There's permanent the anchor points are installed as per building code. Permanent anchor bolts for fall protection. Permanent anchor point. Tell me one part. Uh, what on on actual roof so itself? Fall, fall protection. If you have a permanent anchor point that you're installing into your facility, or on the roof of a building, it is installed as per building code. Are you are you okay? But are you talking about resi custom? Or are you talking about doesn't, commercial? If you use it for fall protection, it doesn't matter. If you use, see, that's the question. I have if a client. You install something that's permanent. I have a client who was actually asking for that. We were asking. He was asking. I wanted permanent anchor bolts here put on this flat roof because I wanted to go up on my flat roof, and we all looked at him like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> yep. Boy, can we it help you? Needs to be installed as per five thousand pounds. I would say it have to be so whole thing. But the problem is that we quickly discovered that as soon as we had a ladder there. And we screwed the ladder with, with uh, flanges against the, the wall surface. He couldn't make it up to the ladder. So now we're talking about doing a cage ladder. So you can go up that ladder. So you can go up onto the roof. I guess I'm the not question, sure you can do those cage ladders anymore. Uh, that's, there's a lot of stuff that gets, that's going on this job site that you can't do. But it's being right. done. You, you know what the I'm talking design. I'm talking you, design. You know what I'm those not nicknames are for those caged ladders? What are they? Cheese grater. Oh, when you fall. wipe out. Oh, I didn't even realize that. I'm going to tell him that tomorrow. This conversation's over now. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> Not you want really. to be safe while going up a ladder. You no, I mean with the client. He won't bring it up. I thought it was an okay idea. Let's put that, but it, it makes if sense. You're, if you're going up a ladder with any height and you want to be tied off, it's better to either put a rigid rail with a, a fixed grab onto it or a cable line with a grab And on then it. tie it as you and go up. And then you can tie that Correct. off to your, your harness on the front. That makes a lot of sense. So if you fall, it catches you. Rather than just ping-ponging all the way down, scraping against that it's horrible. <laughs> I want to go back to the MOL, so the Ministry of Labor, for our American friends who are not familiar with that. So I don't know what their governing body who uh, deals with them regarding OSHA. OSHA's, right? It's all OSHA, right? So I actually had my very first visit this week. From the an MOL? From an MOL. How'd and it go? I didn't run. I didn't panic. I didn't freak out. I did notice that work stopped. Yep. Right? I did notice that. And I was I clued in right away, like split second clued in right away because she was wearing a hard hat that was blue. And the thing is, I do I do want to give her a shout out. I don't want to mention her name or like that, but she was incredible. Yep. And going back to your point, to be very honest, Todd, she she saw infractions. She did. She, like they were infractions. And she was concerned about them, but she wanted to speak to me about them. Mm -hmm. And she was more interested in me being educated about these infractions. Right. And that's what I respected. So I didn't get confrontational. I didn't raise my voice. I was asking questions. I was very respectful. I was listening. I was taking notes. The thing is that she was more interested in making sure that I was aware of what, what was going on in the site. 
And she wasn't supposed to visit this site. She was visiting another site that had a complaint regarding their bathroom. And so she was walking down our street. So all of a sudden saw my site and walked right in. Yeah. Right. We went through the formalities. She's looking for the forms. But then she started talking about most sites. Most guys don't wear hard hats. Everybody was wearing safety shoes. But yeah, there was a little fractions here and there. And she was just like, be aware of that. There was some pins that were missing from scaffold points from different uh, sections that were above one section. Mm -hmm. She was incredible and she was very um, she was very respectful. She wasn't throwing her weight around. She wasn't being this person. She was being more of a conscious, informative, educational person. Yep. And so she just said, listen, I could, but I'm not going to. I'm going to send you a follow-up email. Just fo please acknowledge the email that we have a conversation here. I'm sure she's going to return. The site was brought right up to everything that she was asking that very day. I'm actually anticipating her return. Yeah. Right? So I, that, I want her to come back. best piece of advice you could ever give somebody is when the MOL comes up, be respectful and have that conversation because they're people too. If you start yelling and screaming at them, what do you think they're going to do? They're, 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 gonna they're, they're going to think that you're unreasonable and they're yeah. just going to shut your site down. That's it's all just it like is. real life. Yeah. If we're outside on the street and I come screaming and yelling at you, what are you going to do back to me? I'm going to like, listen, it was an honest post. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> that was my opinion. Right? Okay. I you if you don't that. like me, the cue's over there. That's all I'm going to uh, say. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's, you know, as Eric said, they're people too. Yeah. We're and, all human beings. And they're looking to see if you're reasonable or not. Yes. Right? Yes. If you're a reasonable person, I'm generalizing, obviously. But if you're a reasonable person, they're going to be reasonable with you. And we deal with the MOL on a daily basis as well and ask, hey, what are you looking for these days? Because we want to make sure we have the products and services that coincide with what they're out there. It was know, an extremely enforcing. educational experience. Like she was there for about a half hour. There was three different sections of the job site that we were talking. I learned a lot from her. Yep. Right. And that's what I really appreciate it. And that's what I, I always tell everybody that every single day on a job site, I learn something. Yep. I'll learn it from other trades or I'll learn it from homeowners or I'll learn it from now the Ministry of Labor. How was the atmosphere after that? Did you find that it was a little bit more professional? I wouldn't say it was more professional. It's just I think that all of a sudden we were making a workman's compensation commercial all of a sudden. <laughs> like it just felt like every, all the background extras all had their proper gear on, right? Yeah. They were walking around. And and I learned quickly, like yesterday, you guys realized, and today it was hot, right? Yeah. And I swear someone hooked up a tube to my hard hat because I was just dripping. Did like, she ask any heat-related questions? No, she, she discussed COVID. Okay. So there was a misinformation because I actually had safety valve. So we've had her on the show and she talked to us about the COVID stations that we're supposed to have. Yep. So I was informing her what we had. And, and then she was telling me first that you're supposed to have a separate sink. But my toilet has a sink. So I upgrade the toilet to a better toilet. And then the standard, which just has a urinal and toilet, it has a sink in mine. So she says, that's fine that you have a sink in there. But we still ask that you have a sort of a sanitization center mm -hmm. where there is one bottle there that they can spray separate paper towels that are from the toilet. Mm -hmm. And it's in the event that if a tradesperson feels that there might be risk of COVID on the job site, they can take this and the paper towel and actually spray it on the, the safety rail or spray it on any job site equipment, and then they can clean it and then they can feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. So she said, as long as you have that as a separate station from the toilet, then we're happy with that. Great. You don't need a separate sink with potable water next to it. You can get away with it that way. So she's still, you know, the six foot. She, I think also she probably was respectful because I did have 
a big COVID sign, a three foot by three foot sign that's on the front gate that says, if you have any kind of symptoms, you're not allowed on this job site. Yeah. I did have all the safety signs on the front. I had my safety board that's probably the size of this table that has all my proper forms on it. And that was safety valve. She was helping with that. Yep. So, I mean, when I, I think in all respect, the MOL agent probably noticed all these little things that, okay, this guy's trying. There's certain things that, you know, like I've seen guys walk on my job site and at that very moment, the delivery was happening and guys were delivering hardwood and they didn't have anything. Yeah. And she was just, as soon as they step on your property there, your job site, you're responsible for them. So I actually had to stop them and I had to carry the wood myself into the, the house, right? One of the things that I liked that you did a couple of years ago, Manny, so you were ahead of the curve, was you built your safety yeah. trolley on casters, right? And would push that around the job as needed, which yeah. is great. I wish more people would do that instead of having it 50 feet away from where they're working, it follows you. Yes. Right? Or even Which worse, scattered into pieces. Correct. Fire extinguisher on the top floor, eyewash in the van. Yeah. Imagine yeah. in an emergency. That's right. Right. So let's get right into the whole first aid kits and everything like that. Like, as I know, Carlito keeps on testing me this about what's, what's a, a first aid kit, a box of Band-Aids? So I, <laughs> so it's not, I, by the way, well, everybody, it's not, I don't know if you guys can talk about the different levels, like one, two, three, four, and in, in, in the first aid kits, if you can kind of explain that to the listeners, it's very, very simple. It's just all done by the amount of employees that you have in your job site. So your level one's an individual kit basically for, for one person. And then it just scales to that. Really the best way to buy a first aid kit is would be to call into our store and say, hey, I've got this many people on site. I need a first aid kit. We'll get you the right one. Because they're also separated out by province as well. Each oh, really? province has their own kind of wish list of what they want in yeah, the kit for minimums. Yep. Well, I'm curious, what's what's BC asking for? Th they just have the same levels in it, and it's just you know, different number of bandages and okay. all that other kind of so stuff. So how often should you be assessing or, or replenishing your first aid kit? I think the uh, mandate is once per quarter, you're, you need to do an audit of your first aid kit. And anytime somebody uses something, you also should be recording what they've used. What they've yeah, used. That's along best with, practice. Yeah, along, along with your uh, injury reporting. So I have two first aid kits. One is pure show and for very serious emergencies. And then I have another one that's just like, people getting cut or, you know, they mm -hmm. want a little bit of alcohol or something to put on. And that's just the one I don't have to like put schedule down. I just let them randomly just take what they want. And I, and I view, but I have one, I just don't touch and it's just for pure emergency. So by having two, you have that option where you're always prepared for the worst case scenario, but you're always prepared for small little events, right? You want to record everything on a first aid kit. So even your small one that you have, you should have a clipboard there with the sheet of what's in it. If anyone takes anything out of it, you need to know about it. Okay. That's or if anyone know. takes anything out, they should notify you that they took something out. A absolutely. Okay. Right. For sure. So yeah. let's say, for argument's sake, someone cuts themselves and doesn't tell you, takes something out of that kit, doesn't tell you, and then goes home and has some sort of infection, and then they go to you, oh, I cut myself. That's a good point. So I know right. of an, an exact instance of this happening where somebody basically got a paper cut on a job site. Two days later, their, their finger got infected and they had to actually have their finger amputated because the infection was so bad. Workers' compensation got 
declined because they didn't go through the proper reporting process. It's funny you say that. I know a guy that was working in a sewer and he had just nicked himself on a nail and because he was working with feces, it had scratched and penetrated by the time yep. he came home. He had a massive infection, had to go see the emergency uh, doctor yep. and it got really bad. So, yep. so as, as stupid as it sounds to you know, go through the proper reporting process for something as simple as paper cut or, or nicking on a nail like that, you need to protect yourself as well because if you get declined workers' compensation, it's something where, you know, you need something amputated, you're going to be off work for a long time. That may affect you for the rest of your life. You may not be able to do your job anymore, depending on what it is. So you're going to want access to that workers' compensation to make sure that you're still living within your means for the rest of your life. Is there anything inside the first aid kit that expires? I know that you're talking about quarterly, but... Is there anything that's inside there that could expire that we should be there aware There will be expiration dates on things that need to be sterile. Okay. The sterilization will only be good for so long. There will be items that will expire. And the best thing you can do is you can buy the first aid kit contents all in one shot uh, with one single part number. And that's a good way to replace everything in the first aid kit and keep it fresh. So I want to talk about um, safety goggles. Yep. Earring protection. We haven't gone down that road. I know that, first of all, when you start talking about safety, it's always about the mouth, about breathing in, about your lungs, about airborne. But I think a lot of guys really dismiss the hearing protection. And I, I, I'm getting older. I'm pushing 50 soon. So is he. I think you're getting there before me. Yeah, I am, unfortunately. <laughs> That's good. Just to rub it in. <laughs> but don't worry, he's taking it. Uh, yeah, but he, it's a handsome 50. No, he's yeah. taking the TTC, so he'll take a little while to get there. Uh, <laughs> That's not <so> even true. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, like, uh, hearing protection, what should we really be doing here? Like, uh, we should... Uh, What's that, Manny? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, the first thing that I want everybody to be aware of is that once you start losing your hearing, you never get it back. Every time you're exposed to anything above... In Canada, we use 85 decibels. It's damaging your hearing. You just don't get it back. So it's important to wear your hearing protection. So what is 85 decibels? Would that be a grinder on a piece of metal, uh, cutting a ceramic tile? Off the top of my head, I can't think of anything that would be 85 decibels that we can all kind of, you know, agree upon. I just think that um, any 15-amp tool would probably reach 85 decibels. To give you an idea believe about 87, 90 decibels would be standing beside the, the 401 here and, and listening really? to car traffic go by. Okay, so that's got to be just as loud as a power tool that's being operated, right? And it also depends on on the circumstance of the, of the workspace. Like if you're in a workspace that's three by three, now you've got this subwoofer, basically. Everything's even louder in a yep. tighter Th area. Things can echo and reverberate and get worse. Do you have a yeah, person, so sir? Just to your prove, research team there ju just to prove <laughs> the value of calling us is we can find the information extremely quick and while we were talking here just in our catalog uh, which is available at every store or online if you want it it has a list of common noise levels your question was what is 85 decibels a handsaw or a forklift very comparable to 85 decibels. To 85 yeah when you get up to a table saw, you get into 93 decibels. Wow. Industrial fire alarm, bulldozer, impact wrench, a diesel truck accelerating are all over 100 decibels. So I'm in a go. lot of trouble. <laughs> yep. 
Yep. So basically anything above 85 is, is dangerous to your ears. That's going to create permanent yeah, damage so to your ears. The, the way that it actually works is you're able to go for short periods of time above 85. The reason why 85 is the gold standard is because that's your eight-hour work shift. You want your average to be below 85. When you start getting up to 100 decibels, even short term, that could damage your hearing. You guys are telling me this information, and I keep on picturing my job site. Mm -hmm. And I don't see that many carpenters unless maybe they're doing the routering. Then they might throw it on there. But when they're going to the miter saw or they're going to the table saw, I don't see them with earring protection. I hardly, like, I don't see tile setters with their tile saw. I don't see them with that. So, yeah. I mean, basically, they're causing damage to their hearing. Absolutely, they are. And, and it goes back to what we spoke about at the beginning, the kind of ignorance or stubbornness. I, I've never done it this way, so why should I do it? Have you ever guys operated some sort of power tool and then afterwards you get a slight ringing in your ears? All the time. I'll say no. That is damage. <laughs> that, that is, that is I've been between your, your, two eye joys yeah. with an impact gun. You know what? And I've heard that ringing, man. Yep. yep. I'm, yeah, I'm guilty of many of these things. Uh, I'm just trying to get the job going. I got five guys standing around and I don't want to see that. I want to keep everyone busy, keep the morale going, kind of leading. In a, I'm supposed to lead as, as an example, but... A lot of times I don't do what I should be doing. And I find myself, you know, hearing the ringing. And I guess that's my hearing going. Yep. yep. That's not very good. And yep. the other side of it is we see people with hearing protection, earplugs in all the time. If I'm facing you and you can see the earplugs sticking out of my ears, you basically aren't wearing them. Wow. No, no, I actually I like them. In your ear canal. No, no, I actually like squeezing them and then putting it in my ear canal. It actually gives me a nice little tingly feeling. It's good. <laughs> so I like that. Uh, but I'm a Q-tip guy, right? So, 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 so put them in properly. You should never squeeze. No. You're supposed but it's to roll. Roll them. Uh, evenly all the way around and you don't get any wrinkles or folds. Really? Because it's hard to get in there if you don't kind of. So you want me to roll it. So you put take it between in your twist. two. And you twist two, it. You yeah. Roll. And then what you're supposed to do is reach behind your head with your other arm, grab the top of your ear, straighten your ear canal out, press the ear plug in, and then you have to hold it. Hang on, hang on. Say that all over again because you're a little farther. I apologize for no, that. No, no, no problem. Go ahead. <laughs> Getting used to the microphone still. So <laughs> you have to reach around behind your head, grab your ear, and you have to pull up on your ear to straighten your ear canal. Then you insert, after you've rolled it, the ear plug into your ear, and then you have to hold it in place for about... 15 to 30 seconds, depending on the earplug, so it expands without expanding and then pushing itself out of your ear. This is the first time I've ever heard yeah, of this, man. I can see the, the mind-blowing face just through your eyes, though. Yeah. Wearing a mask. It, it's 100% <laughs> No, correct. but I mean, have you, have you guys, Carlito, have you? I mean, you come from I, TV I've, land. I've, I've, have you no. ever seen a guy put their hand behind their head and I, pull I their hair? I've heard that many times that we, when we take the course for when, when I was in the union. Mm -hmm. They made sure that that was one of the things we learned when we were taking the courses. So, yeah. but you, you know what the, the problem is, is right after the safety course, you almost kind of forget you were there and you go back to your old habits again. Yeah. Well, you're, and you rush. Yeah. And, it, and, and when you're spending 30 seconds per ear to put in your earplugs, that's a minute of your time. You could be doing other things, right? Because I actually prefer the earplugs over the actual ear muffs. So the other thing you can do is you get what Todd was saying, the, the push in kind of turn, okay. the push to fit with the stick on the end of them. So that can be a little bit quicker to put in where you do the same thing, reach around behind your head, grab your ear, straighten your ear canal out, and then you you push and twist, basically. So that's the key, is your pulling ear. your ear back to actually straighten out the canal. Yep. Because yeah, your ear canal yep. kind of moves a little bit around. It's not straight going in. And everybody has to move their ear in a slightly different position because 
we all have different ears. Um, but that's the key to make sure you get it in far enough. So let's talk about something that's always uh, a gripe of every tradesperson that I know, which is safety goggles and them fogging up. Well, oh. before you move on to that, the oh. last thing you need to know about your hearing oh, tell me about ears. is you have <laughs> noise reduction ratings on the, on the box, right? Of each ear, of really? Earplugs, right? Your noise reduction rating, it'll say 27 decibels, 30 decibels, something like that. So the best practice is to derate your hearing protection. And what we mean by that is taking a portion of what the actual noise decibel, noise reduction rating is on the box and subtracting that from your real life exposure to try to get you under 85 decibels. So for earplugs, you take 50% of what the rating is on the box itself and subtract that from what the noise level you're experiencing. And if you're still above 85 decibels, you know you should be switching to a, a better earplug. For earmuffs, you take 75% of that decibel rating off um, because uh, they fit a little bit better, tend going over top of the ear rather than in the ear canal. And this gives you more of a, a true to yourself noise reduction rating that'll count for um, people who don't wear earplugs properly. They're not deep enough inside the ear canal, different shaped ear canals, just your earplugs not sealing properly in general. Think, a think lot about of people your, wearing glasses. Yeah, I was right? just about to say that. The so noise can travel your down your eye protection and create vibrations into your, your So like you right now, Carlito, wearing glasses with the headphones, it's not the same seal as what Manny has on his headphones right now. It's the exact same for ear protection because the glass is in there impeding on the foam. So Eric, are you gonna ask me to put Vaseline on my ears? No. <laughs> okay, all right, that's all. All right, that's all I'm gonna ask for. Again, <laughs> I do not recommend you do that. I recommend you shave. So pick up a- I can't shave, man. Pick up a Mach 3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, safety goggles, safety goggles. How do we get rid of the, the fogging up safety goggles? What are we doing wrong? Buy better goggles yeah. or buy better glasses. That's the honest truth to that answer. There are some really good um, anti-fog coatings that are out on the market where you can take these glasses and put them over a boiling kettle and they will not fog up. Really? I need to yeah. get that right away. What's and that you guys called? carry those? You yep. do carry those. What are they? So what? you can get 3M has a great product that has the Scotchgard Anti-Fog, also another product. Will they scratch when you kind of try Anything to clean them? Anything will scratch if you don't take care of it, Okay. particularly so, your eyewear. So the question right? is, it's just like eyeglasses. You should treat them with a proper cloth, and you should not just grab your shirt that was just tiling. And, and don't throw Correct. them in your toolbox when you're done with them. No. That, that, is, that yeah. is the mo most often when and they you get scratched. Or on you your take car your seat or your truck seat or your van That's seat. That's what we forgot. There's that myth, get, which get I believe. So your respirators, in or out of a bag? If you put them in a bag and you're experiencing like organic vapors and stuff like that, I don't recommend anything should be sealed like a Ziploc because they could be off-gassing. And if you're into some of the very, very dangerous chemicals like benzene and stuff like that, even that little bit of it off-gassing in the bag and then you open the bag, you can get overcome with, with it and breathe really? too much in. Because we're down in the parts per million kind of range for how much we're allowed to breathe into that stuff. So should um, we be like... So Goggles in bags, ear protection in bags, like we your, should... Your, your respirator, you can put it in a bag. Just don't do it. If it's got a Ziploc on it, don't zip it up all the way. It would be my advice. Make sure that it can... Just let it breathe a little bit. Breathe out, yeah. yeah. Same so with your, builds up. your glasses. But your glasses, right? get get a hard glass case. A hard case, case. yeah. That, that's the best thing to Treat them like regular scratches. glasses. That Treat them like spend. your... $400 sunglasses that you bought yeah. that come with a hard case. Especially right? if you're you're buying the higher end safety glasses, which I always recommend to people because if you take care of them, they will be with you for life. Um, 
you know, because the, the high-end anti-fog, you're going to be looking at spending $9, $10, $12 a pair on these things. Most companies don't buy them because they're expensive because people don't take care of them. You're so right. Yeah. I, I mean, I spent 200 on mine. I wear them every single day. They, you know, they're, my, they're for, so I can see, I can't see out of the they're plastic ones. That's right. But I see guys throwing these things and scratching them and putting them in their back pocket, yep. in their toolbox. And uh, I just see a, such a waste of money, which is great for, you know, everyone in the, in another end of it. I mean, having glasses, do you have a product that I could put on these? Because like, even as I'm speaking to you right now, my eyes are fogging up. We have anti-fog sprays, liquids, and then the wipes that can go with it as well. We have anti-fog wipes. I know you guys have those well. little wipes. I like them. They're like yeah, the, the, the standard the wipes that we have, or whatever, yeah. have anti-fog in them. Yeah. It's not going to be as good as if it was baked into the, the glasses and I, to begin with. But I, I wear glasses like you, Carlito, and I, I use them all the time. Right. I have a box in my truck. I have a box in my office. I have a box at home. You know, I see this happening all the time. And I'm and I'm, again, I'm one of those guys try to wear a mask and I can't see. So right away, what do I do? I pull my mask down so I can so I can actually see. So now I, I definitely need to go buy that product, put it on my eyes and I'll save my lungs for the future. Sorry, guys, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> well, I was totally in, like... I, I did want to say something. You kind of bounced over the construction bone. I didn't really feel that we We haven't that. even talked about the bone yet, because, I mean, Eric got us sucked into the medical exam well, here, man. you also <laughs> went right into building code, and oh, I, know, I, I wasn't I know. even ready for that, because you kind of stepped you, over do it. Do you guys have a construction bone to discuss or nothing? Kind of what we've been talking about. The whole right? thing. Is drop the stubbornness. Yes. Drop the ego, because it's going to kill you. It's that simple. And, you know, the more people we can educate, and you said earlier to the millennials out there, the up-and-comers of, of the trade, the more people we can educate, the better for us. We are happy to help. All you got to do is ask. I want to ask you guys, let's talk about dollars, and I'll use a phrase that he always asks or states. I won't hold you to it, but I'm curious, what does it cost for a tradesperson to come in here and get outfitted? Let's just ballpark it. Hard hat, safety goggles, respirator, gloves, ear protection. What are we talking about? How much money? Well, you, let, let's just break it down right to one particular item. Let's talk about fall protection harness. Okay. We have harnesses on our shelves that you can buy for 50 bucks. Is that a lot to you guys? Is your life worth 50? We have harnesses on our shelves that will be $500. Is that worth it to you? Yeah, my life's worth it for sure. And, and these yeah. these items, uh, a lot of people in construction industry like a harness, the average lifespan of a harness is about two, three years. So you're going to spend that every two, three years? My opinion, you probably should because if you fall, it's the only thing that's going to stop you from hitting the ground. Well, I think something really even more important is that everybody's trying to budget themselves. Like, I hate the homeowner always tells me to sharpen my pencil and to kind of meet that really low budget It's not realistic. So the same way I look at it as a harness. A lot of people complain when they buy a cheaper harness. That doesn't feel right. It's yep. rubbing the wrong way. Spend yep. the right amount of money. And it doesn't mean it has to be $500. It just means that you need to try a couple on. And if it is $150, spend the $150. And if it 40 is good for you, then that's fantastic also, yep. right? Yeah. And you I get what you pay up. for. You get what you pay for in, in this uh, business, right, with the products. The other point that I think is relevant is if someone spends $150 or even above on a harness, the tendency is that they're going to look after it better, yes. right? Versus the $30, $40, $50 harness that they're just going to throw everywhere 
and then next year they have to replace it again and again and again. It's the same for a respirator. It's the same for glasses. If you spend money on those things, the tendency is you want to take care of them. I'll say this much. So I'm a motorcyclist, right? So when I first got my bike and I had to buy a helmet, yep. I spent over a thousand bucks because in the back of my head, I was thinking my head. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? If I do go down, which happened, I had head protection. Yeah. And I was glad that I spent that money instead of buying an, yeah. uh, an egg crate, right? But like, you know what, Manny? There's something even more important. Like what you said, how do you store it? So just for example... You may have spent $1,000 in a helmet. The first time you drop it to the ground, it's no good anymore. No, no, no. So back to Todd's point here. That's I true was with a babying, lot of I was stuff. babying that helmet. Yep. That helmet was never left on anything high. Yep. It was always left on something low, so it can't fall. I was always putting it into a, a, a fleece bag. Yeah. I was babying. And you're right that if you do spend the extra money on it, you will. If you spend the extra money on glasses, on anything, you will take care of it. You'll have a special case for it. I honestly believe that. It's 100% relevant to all the safety products, gloves, everything. You spend a hundred bucks on a pair of gloves, you're not gonna put them in the back pocket no. while you're walking around, right? They're gonna be on a glove harness probably clipped to your belt. So you know you don't lose them. I mean, my point with the money and how much spending is because I find it really ironic that most tradespeople have no problem dropping the coin on tools. Yeah, I need that extra tool. I need that extra this or that. And then all of a sudden, thousands of dollars are spent. But then they're not saying the same thing regarding protection of their lives. With their own, with their own life. It's yeah. crazy. Which they should be spending just as much, if not more. There's our bone. That's the bone, for sure. It's a good bone. It is. I and love it. We so even talked about that before with you talking about your eyewear fogging up. It's the same thing. Do you want to spend 2 $3 on a pair of glasses? Fog up, you can't see, affects your work. Spend a little bit more. A lot of things you can cut corners, and one of the things that we always try to do well is work within your budget as well at our, all of our stores. And, you know, you don't necessarily have to get the $500 harness, but, you know, there's other options in the middle that are very good. So curious you don't always the have to go all out. I'm curious about the $50 harness. What's that used for? Again, it, it's for uh, the people that don't want to spend the money. Okay. Right? We, we have to cater to... Uh, all budgets. You know what? At one time I started this business, I was very young and I didn't have the money. I would rather go yeah. buy a drill. But I, if I need to have that harness, at least I started with the 101. And as I found my, my place in the trades, I realized what I needed, what I didn't need. Sometimes, you know, I'll throw someone else's harness on. I'll be like, oh man, this is really comfortable. And yeah. then I'll want to upgrade to a new one, right? Yep. But if you have it, at least that way you can use it. If you don't have it, you're not going to use it and you might not go home, right? Correct. Another thing is I, I, have a, I actually have a case just for my harnesses, my lanyards. That's it's great practice. zips up. I put it in the back of my truck. Nothing gets on it. Yep. When I need it, I pull it out. If someone says, hey, you got a harness, I go, no problem. I know exactly where it is. That's a great practice. I will yeah. caution people against storing things in the back of the trucks because if you ever get it wet, it can rust really easy and corrode really easy. And that is kind of when I'm doing inspecting of harnesses and stuff like that. That's the number one cause that I have to fail other than somebody's got paint or Marker. grease markers or another reason why I fail a lot or of things frame. because right you get framed from two by fours and things yeah. like that rubbing up against yeah. it constantly when you're driving and the vibration from the road has the two by four rubbing against the harness and then all That's of a sudden point. you see that fraying material on it right you got to wonder why the two by four is in the back of the window and he's still wearing his harness while he's driving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
All right, we got to do uh, another little segment here called uh, Carlito's Green Book Talk. Oh, so I don't know if you guys know, we play a little game first. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, you're going to have to guess what the infraction of penalty is going to be, the fine. So okay. I'll just read out. And first you guys offense, tell. by the way, unless he's gone. No, not into second yet. Oh, we're at, oh. Okay, so <laughs> employer failing to mark gas, electrical, or other services before excavating. What do we think the number is? I swear I've heard the this dollar amount. Already. Yes, fine. I'm gonna say five fifty. No, I did this for Manny today. <laughs> Two thousand. Nope. So no, no, I'm hang gonna, on. I'm gonna I, change mine. I'm gonna guess a thousand dollars. Nope. Manny, I'll give you one last chance. Two fifty. Nope. I did this for you. Six fifty. <laughs> 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 That's why I used it. <laughs> All right. That was Carlito's Green Book Talk. You guys are familiar with the Green Book Talk, right? Or a Green Book? Absolutely. Yeah. That thick thing that, yeah, we love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we want to get back. What have we not talked about regarding safety? Because this has been oh. really, really educational, man. Please, gloves. I think gloves are more important than anything. Well, with gloves, you guys got to also factor in people that are allergic to latex. Right. There's that factor as well. Right. So for gloves, there are quite literally hundreds of thousands of different gloves out on the market. The, n the number one thing I will tell people about gloves is if you're having to take them off to do a specific task, you have the wrong glove. So you should be able to wear gloves. You should all be able to the wear time. the gloves while you're working. Working with paper? You can work with paper with some gloves on. It just depends on how much dexterity you need and what the materials they're made out of. For example, if you're working in the summer and you find your hands are too hot, but you're wearing cut-resistant gloves, you're probably wearing something that's an aramid fiber to it, like Kevlar, which is known to retain heat. This is why we use them for cooking gloves. Not the right material, right? You want to look for something that's an HPPE, which will keep your hands cool and stay cool to the touch. On the flip side, if you try to wear that in winter, guess what's going to happen to your hands? Freeze. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're going to be colder than if you would actually not have gloves on. It's funny you say that. Like I was, I was laying tiles last night and I put rubber gloves on so that the lime doesn't get to my fingers and dry my tip. So, you know, when I'm touching now. my wife, I want her to say, oh, your hands are so smooth. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my hands were soaking wet. Yeah. They didn't have thin set on them, but so the why? gloves were saturated in Why were they soaking wet? From his own sweat. And there's uh, no breathability I'm, in the glove. I'm assuming, yeah, there, for a, a rubber glove, there's no breathability to it. So I'm assuming you didn't have anything that had like a a flocked liner to it that would absorb some of the, the sweat. That so you maybe have. I should upgrade to a, a, a rubber See, glove and, so it's not wet, but and, it's and here's the thing you're using the word upgrade. Some of sometimes it's same price point or even lower to get the better glove for that application. It's right. just picking the right product. So what is glove, really what it comes down what to. glove should a tile setter be using? Cause he's dealing with wet, dry, wet, dry stone. All depends on what his total, risk package looks like on, on what he needs to protect against himself but i'd probably look f more towards depending on how much uh liquid he's getting his hands into maybe a three-quarter dip string knit glove so you get a little bit of that moisture resistance uh built in with a three-quarter uh dip of the of uh, like a nitrile or something like that over top but you still get a little bit of breathability through the back of the hand so it's a good choice yeah size wise that. like are guys choosing are like, i'm gonna I'm assume gloves are like bras or something like that are we choosing the wrong ones here like uh, absolutely like, everyone yeah. thinks they're an extra large <laughs> they, they truly do so, the, so you're putting on the wrong so all of a sudden you put it on and, the, and there's such a, a big gap on the thumb or something like that and you're not an extra large you're it, a large or a medium blows my mind every day that we get in, oh, I'll take the extra large. 
and you like you can see he or she's got tiny hands. But you know what? Extra large is pretty small in a lot of gloves. Because I'll go put an extra, and I get my fit my sausage fingers in there, and I can't get them on. Yeah, Just but you like can Eric get a five X glove. Yeah, five X. Five X. Wow. You, you can get a four extra small. So like, you know, you there's can millions. Find, you to can find a glove from. for you. Just today, a couple guys were working uh, about eight feet under me. They're pulling a steel, rusty steel door out. I happened to be walking by, and I seen I seen an older gentleman. I could see he was having a really hard time with the door. I figured I'd come over and grab the door. I didn't have my gloves on at the time. I actually sliced my hand. And that's how fast something can happen. Yep. I went to go help somebody. I wasn't part of my job, but I wanted to help out. And in the meantime, not thinking, because I'm just help, trying to help him grab it so he doesn't hurt himself, I hurt myself. Could have been avoided. How many contractors are missing digits as well? It, it happens yep. all the time, and it could have been avoided. Wearing the proper glove, or working safely, asking questions. That's what we're here for. So when do we use a, a cotton glove? Because I buy disposable cotton gloves and I, I'll go through three a day. And <laughs> well, because I do it, I'm doing a lot of digging. I'm working with, you know, I just find that they work for me. It's easy to dispose. It's kind of environmentally friendly. There are applications for everything. Cotton gloves is kind of just a standard all-purpose glove that doesn't really do a whole lot right. But one of the funny things about cotton though, is even though it doesn't get a cut resistant rating, it's more cut resistant than your leather glove. Wow. And a cotton lot of people, glove is. Cotton. How and a lot that? of people are surprised at that because Please it's don't how, try that at home. <laughs> <laughs> a leather glove, to be frank, is skin. dried skin. Yeah, it's skin. So why would that protect against a sharp and edge? And cotton it, is interwoven. A cotton, exactly. It's oh, got look at that. I in figured it. it out. So it rolls with the blade. Wow. I want to just hang out with you, Harry. Like, this is it. You're making me smarter, man. This is great. I love it. Okay, so <laughs> sometimes I'm lucky. So today's just happens to be one of those days. Why, why is it that the pointing finger does most of all the work? And do you have a glove that can make my tip of my point finger Stronger. be the, most, the best glove like for the, the point finger? Because I find that I'm always touching things with it. I'm moving things with it. I'm grabbing things with it. What is the best glove for a, a point finger? So if you look at some of the gloves, especially rubber and stuff like that, try to get something that has a pre-curve to it. A pre-curve. So the, it'll be curved with your hand a little bit. And if you ride motorcycles, you know that yeah. some of the premium gloves, All the gloves are curved. Do. Yes. And the reason for that is it puts a lot less stress on your hand from moving the material around. Wow. I want to know what kind of gloves Mason should be using because they're dealing with mortar. And there's and that breaks. big warning sign on the mortar. So that all comes into chemical resistance and making sure you don't get chemical burns. So you'd probably, you need something that is uh, probably uh, nitrile rubber or something like that. Talking about chemical resistance gets a little bit weird okay. because just because you have a, a thick rubber glove doesn't mean that you're gonna be protected because some of these chemicals can actually move through the material, not burn a hole into it like we all think, actually move through the material. Like, vape, then, like a vapor. Kind of. And, and basically what you will get is just by contacting the inside of the glove, you'll get a chemical burn because it's kind of gotten into the material it's itself. Seeped, it's seeped through. Yep. Oh, wow. That's where I would stress, again, looking at your safety data sheet, it tells you what type of glove to wear. I think for the listeners, too, a lot of, a lot of people don't realize that our eyes and our hands, our skin in just general, 
10% of whatever chemicals or products that we're touching, we might not be inhaling them. They're actually going into our blood system through our hands and our eyes. And yep. that's even more important to like, I see guys dealing with Formicula and, you know, Durabond and other products like that. And I always tell them, throw a pair of gloves on and, you know, they just don't want to. And, they, and I look at their hands, they're all, you know, dried up, no more protein cells left in their hands. They're really crispy. And at 50 years old, you don't want to have a concrete hand, right? Yeah. 30 years old, you don't have a concrete yeah. hand. I, I'm at just at saying that gloves are that important. I'm just trying to stress on that, right? Yeah, they are. Footwear? Footwear, again, it's very important. It's all personal preference for the obviously the fit and the feel we can have the same argument with footwear against, if you're going to spend a lot of everything. money on any piece of safety get good boots you're standing in them all day yeah you don't want your feet sore and achy and distracting you at the end of the day yeah, yeah. and my other advice is to make sure that they're safe look for the green triangle because you yeah. can get other safety boots out there that's not the only type of safety boot that's there Green triangle means it has the plate on the bottom as well as the toe cap. You don't want the, because there's the blue square as well that's CSA approved, that's just a toe cap. So if you step on a nail, it goes straight through the bottom. Yeah. That's my advice when it comes to boots. Uh, yeah, and it's, you know, when you wear a safety boot and you're, and you're working with them every single day, you kind of forget that you're wearing safety boots because they're saving your life all the time. Mm -hmm. The other day I was at the farm cutting a tree down, my chainsaw blade, got into into something in the tree and I was wearing <laughs> sandals. <laughs> Horrible to hear this right now. What are you I wearing was, sandals at the farm? I threw them on. I just got I came out of the cottage and my wife's like, you know, take that tree down. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just walked over. Like an idiot. I'm always preaching safety and totally forgot that I didn't have steel toed yeah. boots on because I, I basically wear them all the time. Like ninety percent of the time I'm wearing boots, safety boots. And I went ahead and I kicked the stump to try to break it. And my toe broke. I just thought it's funny you broke that your toe. I think it's important to always uh, to tell people that you know if you're wearing safety boots all the time, also be remember that you you may not have them on too, right? What else you guys want to talk about? We need to talk about tool tethering. The importance of that when you're working at heights, it's a huge problem, particularly in Canada and across uh, the world, is tools not being attached to your body or your person. And again, working at heights and something falls and what's below it? Somebody. Correct, right? So the amount of options now that are available for tool tethering are infinite. It's fantastic. You can literally have something for everything so that nothing falls off and impales someone or hits them. We had an unfortunate incident uh, a couple years ago where power tool was dropped. The tool didn't fall the battery was ejected and then fell from the building and hit a kid Ooh. down below. And you never want to hear about that, but it happens all the time. There's a lot of products out there. Obviously, Eric being the expert knows them all for the most part, but... Is uh, there tethering for the battery and the... Okay, really? Yeah, there's yeah. a sleeve that you can get that goes over both. Wow, I didn't know that. What's the most common dropped tool? I'm going to ask you guys a trivia question sure. right now. What is the most common drop tool? Hand or power, or does it matter? You you decide what is the most common drop tool on a job site. I'm going to say a drill driver or impact gun. Okay. I was a high-rise window cleaner, and our knives and our cleaning blades constantly fell out of our buckets. We'd go to put them in the back, and they'd go 20 stories down. Yeah. And you'd be screaming, heads up, or, you know, and 
and you don't know where it's going to land, right? Yeah. What do most people do when you yelled that, by the way? Look they up. look up look so up. they get stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? I'm going to do a little role playing here. Manny, I need to measure this. Throw me oh your tape measure. God. Oh, really? Huh? Measuring tape. Yeah. So simple. Makes sense. It's cr- how many times on a site are you throwing your measuring tape? I don't know. I've never thrown it. I've dropped it. <laughs> I drop it five times a day. Because I need two yeah. hands to actually holster it again, right? So yeah. I don't wear a tool belt. I, I wear Snickers. So, you know what I mean? But I, I, got, I need two hands to clip it onto my holster. Yeah. Right? But yeah, you're right. And sometimes if I use one hand, it falls. It yeah. just drops right out, right? Really so what do you that. have for that? So there's tethers that actually hold hold it in place, right? You can do use a sleeve that goes over top of it. Yeah. Some guys don't like that because it increases the thickness of it and also can make the the button on it hard to, to play with. Or you can get just a simple, it's kind of like a key ring, but it's actually weight rated, not going to become a straight line if you do drop it. And then you just create a hook onto it with a tether that kind of looks like a fall protection lanyard. Yeah, I have a Tashima. I only use it for my trim work. So usually when I'm working around houses, it doesn't bounce off the hardwood floor. And I have to, that's the only thing I have it on. It kind of just clips onto your belt. You bring up a good point. We talked about the safety side, opening this up and potentially hitting somebody. Your impact gun, if you drop that from three stories up, what's going to happen to your gun? It's going to break. It's going to have shards of something. Yeah. Even if it doesn't break, now you got to take the time to go down, pick it up, come back up and start work again. So it can also be a time-saving tool, money-saving tool, just to make sure that things don't drop, you don't break it, keep you productive. What's the maximum weight rating that's going on here with any of this tethering that you guys are doing? In what regards? Well, I can't be tethering an SDS gun on this thing. Yes, can't. you can. Yeah, what the? You can't? Can. Really? Yeah, yeah. Really? You shouldn't tether that to yourself because what's going to happen if you drop it? You're going. You're yeah. following it. But yes, you, you can get up to did you know that you know 80 pound tools you, and stuff like that. you know what sure. i didn't know they had that but what what i typically do is i always see guys using the extension cord to pass it down so <laughs> like like the guys that's and, a great one and we'll always be like not the extension like don't grab the cord no so no, usually we have, a, we have we have a, a d-clip and we'll d-clip it through the handle and drop it down not plugged in is it still plugged into the wall when you're passing no it? no not at all <laughs> but i see it all the time like i'll see this yeah. like you know, 60 pound thing swinging with a big pick on it. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> we hear about those accidents all the time. Yeah. Yeah. The, the scariest one I heard was uh, somebody dropped just a regular box wrench from uh, about the seventh story and it landed in a schoolyard while the kids were out at recess. Wow. Well, that's always good. So you, you can imagine the panic that happened through that site after that. It happens and it's just innocent thing. I believe it was lying on the ground. Somebody accidentally kicked it. You guys sell railings too, right? Yep. So uh, I mean, a lot of I see a lot of guys building railings. They're never up to code. They never have that kick uh, kick edge on the there. Plate, yeah. The third. Yeah. So there is speaking of guardrails, there is code to it, as you mentioned. You have to have your top rail, mid rail, and tow board. If it doesn't have any of those pieces, it's not a guardrail. And they also have to have strength requirements to them. I've seen a lot of them made out of two by fours, and you can walk up to them and push on them, and they'll move you know, six, eight inches. So if you fall into that, it's coming down with you. So here's the question though. How do you guys secure that when you're in the finishing stage and you still haven't had your handrails or your finish rails installed? Multiple different ways. Cause at the end of the day, our guardrail system is supposed to be prote- protecting somebody from falling over. So yeah. then you don't have to wear fall protection. You can get grab rails or you just go 
straight into your either travel restraint or your fall protection system. And then, of course, make sure you tie your tools off. Kind of hard to say what products because I would have to see the, yeah. what you're actually yeah. Every working with yeah. to know what product to actually recommend for you to use. It's kind of a, for me, when somebody says, yeah, I'm going up to work at heights, what do I need to tie off? And it's like, well, what are you tying off to? Is there I-beams? Are you concrete? You know, what's your fall clearance? There's so many questions and variables that go into it. It's kind of like somebody handing you uh, a, a puzzle to, to build something out of Lego and you don't know what Lego pieces you're going to use. But it's the least that you got to spend the effort to have a thought process behind it, right? Yeah. Where you try yeah. to figure out what is the best or any scenario that I can come up with to make this as safe as possible. Give yeah. us a call. That's basically it. So to start the conversation that way. Yep. One of my favorite things, and I usually judge people by this, is how old your helmet is. So <laughs> the more stickers you have on your helmet, the more senior you are, or the longer you've been in that particular company, typically. Let's talk about helmets and stickers and, you know, when to replace a helmet and what not to do with a helmet. Again, with helmets, there isn't really a hard and fast rule on your hard hat about when to replace it. Manufacturers recommend five years. And then something that's probably going to surprise you is the suspension on your hard hat should, the manufacturers all recommend that you uh, replace that annually, which again, I don't see. And I don't I've never seen anybody I've do that. I've sold a hard hat suspension in probably about four or five years. So you guys stock them, mm -hmm. but I've never seen anybody, but it's really yeah. funny because when you do buy a hard hat, they come separately and you got to connect the two together, right? That's just to make it easier for them to ship, to be honest. Oh, really? I thought it was like <laughs> a sure test or something, man. Uh, I thought it was a test to go, listen, don't forget, <laughs> in one year, you got to change this thing, man. Seriously, shipping, it's yeah, Ikea. Hat, this is Ikea? Yeah. <laughs> man. Okay, yeah. so what's up with the styrofoam? People tell me it's, you know, what everyone has like a myth of what it's for, what it's not for. I find that in the summertime, because it's got memory, it actually gets hotter in your helmet and some guys want to rip it out of the helmet, but it's mandatory if you're working with a hydro company or certain concrete companies. What's up with the styrofoam in a helmet? Your, your standard hard hat is a type one, which means that it only has an impact rating from directly above it. Really, you're only getting a, a spot that is, you know, a couple inches that they actually test. Yeah. Just um, bigger than a golf ball. Yeah. And that's the only spot on the hard hat that they test. And that's your type one. Your type two adds side impact to that. So that foam wrapped around the inside of the hard hat is meant for an impact coming to the side of your head. And that's why it's mandated. A lot of people don't think that they need it, but more and more of the big GCs are starting to mandate that because they're getting side impact injuries. I know of one guy who was running across the site, didn't see an I-beam there, even though he had his hard hat on, ran into it, and he cracked his skull. And so, he was still wearing his helmet. Yeah, because it's not rated for that. But it didn't, have, impact. It, it didn't flexes. have the foam. It didn't have the, home, the foam in it, yeah. I won't be it's ripping it out now. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> other thing in. you're going to get with hard hats, uh, because we're all talking about people in the construction industries, you see those vented hard hats? Seem like a great idea. Keep your head cool. No. You can't use it. Because if you're on a construction project, that ruins the electrical rating of that hard hat. Sparks going into your into the helmet. It's if you're grinding something. It's just electrical conductivity. Yeah. If you... If there's some sort of wire there or something like that. They're, they're worried about um, you getting electrocuted through the hard hat. What is a typical helmet for a GC or a renovator that you guys re recommend 
to buy. Are you looking for a brand name, or are you? No, 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 no. Like no. which which helmet should they be going go after? Go in and get a Type One hard hat. Make sure it doesn't have any vents in it. That okay. is my recommendation. And what's the range of that? Like for cost? Uh, you can ten bucks. Wow. When you start getting into the Type Twos, that's when you're going to be thirty dollars for. I know, but even still, something. thirty bucks, ten bucks. We're it's spending. Nothing. Some guys are spending more money on their lunch, which is another podcast, but we won't go down there. <laughs> um, <laughs> and for the guys listening out there, you can actually buy. It's a little bag. You could put your safety vest in there, your glasses in there, and your helmet in there. For the guys that are throwing their helmet around, it's easy just throw over your back and on the way you go, and nobody even knows you have a helmet. Yep. Uh, for for me, when because I go to sites all the time, I store my stuff in a small little gym duffel bag. It's got my gloves, my hard hat, earplugs, everything that I need in there. Yeah, that's the best thing to do. You always know you have it when it's sitting there in, in can, the back of your car. Can you guys start putting a whole little gym bag assembly thing like that for all the designers that come on sites? We have it. Do you really? Yep. Do you really? Already in stock. Look at that. You guys are way ahead of that, huh? This is ridiculous. <laughs> we, ha we even have buckets with fall production in them, roofers kits ready to go. Wow, seriously. What yeah. else do you guys have? <laughs> we, for larger customers, too, we also build kits. Really? Yep. Yeah. So you tell us what you want in your safety kit. We'll put it in the duffel bag, individual it out, on the shelf, ready to go. Wow. That's really? cool. Talk about safety. It's not just about uh, the tools and the humans. It's about... Floor protection, you guys carry a lot of floor protection too, like safety protection for flooring and stuff. Can you expand a bit more on no, that? No, they don't. No, I just, no. I just wanted to know. No, they don't. He's talking about like RAM board or something like that. Yeah, we have that. Oh, you guys have that? Absolutely. That's okay. what I wanted to make sure. That's why I was wondering where he was going with it, but we have every type of, of builder board out there. Two by fours? We don't have two by fours. <laughs> we don't get into lumber unless it's fire rated plywood. I need some copper then pipe. We get into that. Uh, fire rated plywood. You guys carry fire rated plywood. Yes. Which, by the way, you should always use when you're setting up your electrical panel. That's right. right. All right. Don't be going by a regular spruce panel. Get fire rated. Get the red. Yep. All right. That's, or you're dead. That's dead. There you go. That's my <laughs> little. All right. That's all it is. Uh, we got one last segment. I think we touched upon a lot. I think we can keep on going. You guys got like, man, this must have been a good one. This is like, there's a, I'm sure you learned some stuff. Well, I want to talk about one more thing, if I could. <laughs> Go ahead, ask him. I, I, I'm just noticing that a lot of guys don't have that. I just want to find out what kind of systems you have for workstations for washing your hands and stuff like that, that are already pre-made. Like, do you have like rubber ones that you can kind of stick in the corner? They just hook up with the hose or anything like that? We have wash stations that are kind of little self-contained units that you can just go up and kind of pump the water out of. Uh, that we're using. We have other ones that have reservoir tanks that you just connect to a power source and has a pump in it. Pumps the water out so you can wash your hands with. I didn't know you guys so had that. It depends on exactly what you're looking for. A lot of solutions out there. Yeah, there's many, many solutions. So you guys are ready for COVID for everyone. Yeah, that's I, good to I hear. would say we're pretty well equipped. How do we get guys to do more toolbox talk at the start of the day? Because I know I find it annoying, but how do we get guys to do more of that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being honest, man. Like, it's the construction life. It's yeah. Because you, you gla glaze over these heads that they're listening to you while you speak. Yep. And you know they're not absorbing it. Yeah. They're not. Like, nobody's picking anybody to be on the team. So it's just like, I want to get to work. How do we get guys to actually want to talk about it? Biggest uh, thing is just getting your guys interested. And one of the things that you can do is just get a different speaker to come in. One of the things that I do for our, our large customers is I provide toolbox talks. Really? I do. 
What don't you do, man? <laughs> like, <laughs> I won't wash your car. Uh, you can wash yeah. my Sprinter. But, but you know what, Manny? T- talking about those talks, I actually always found them the most interesting because the good guys that really made everyone on the team feel like a team member is at the beginning of the day. These are the tasks we have ahead. This is what I want to accomplish. These are the tools we're going to use. This is how to get the job done. It kind of gives you a direction of the day and you kind of have a goal set. And Sets by, the tone. Yeah, and by getting the guys aware, you know, we talk about weather at that time, we talk about the safety, we talk about, you know, there's so many important things in five minutes to just kind of connect the group together. I think yep. it's, that's such a great time to kind of make everyone family, forget about what you did last night or, you know, still coming in tired, you're not at work and this yeah. is what we're doing. Don't do it on lunchtime. Guys no. Are, guys are hungry. You know, they're fatigued. They want to eat, get some energy back in them. The last thing they want is someone talking to them while they're thinking about eating their sandwich, right? But in the morning, it's good. Invite suppliers to it. You know, some swag might show up. That gets Ooh. them interested. Ooh. Now you got something. <laughs> I knew where you were going with it. I like that. <laughs> I wasn't going there, but I like it. <laughs> okay, this has been an interesting talk, guys. So we, we're at Profasco's head office here uh, up in Vaughan. At Profasco at IG, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn. www.profasco.com. Canadian service at hdsupply.com. And it's one 272 3272 which also spells Burfasco. We have one last segment for you gentlemen. We're gonna have a little fun here. We have these, uh, what's, what's it called there? The 12 questions of it. construction. So we'll just go back and forth. First question is, what is your favorite construction word, Eric? Safety. Oh. Dot. <laughs> uh, Callum Grip. Callum Grip? Yep. Okay. Because my son's name is Callum. Okay. Uh, I won't say what the trade name is for a Callum grip, but I'll have everyone look it up. <laughs> Please do. What is your least favorite construction word? I don't know. I, I didn't realize a memory test was going to be part of this. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> There's no right or wrong here. This is just like so what, what, what pops in your head. First, first we're, round. We're sending this to the FBI. No, we're not. <laughs> what is your least favorite construction word? Because I'm the safety guy and I'm always on site, least favorite is we can't do that or don't want to do that. Yeah, it's a good one. That, and I know it's not really a word, but you know, I'm cheating a little no, bit. No, it's good. It's good. That's my, mine is along the same as we don't need that. Oh, we don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> what turns you on in construction? Honestly, people who are, are willing to learn a, about things and, it, and, you know, that applies not just safety, it's everything, you know, because the guys that ask the questions and, you know, want to absorb and listen to your experiences, those are the guys you know are going to be top of their class, even if they're real young guys, they're going to be the, the top in a couple of years. Yeah, every day, That's every day point. you can learn something on a construction site. Todd? Selfishly, knowing that I was a part of some sort of building in some way. I, I really do enjoy that part. It is. It's a good feeling. Yeah. What uh, What turns you off in construction? People not being safe. It kills me because it really, it, some of the, the stuff I see is just silly mistakes people are making. And I don't know if it's ignorance or they just can't be bothered. Yeah, for me, it's ignorance. Yeah. So it's the same thing. We've talked about it a lot tonight. It's a your, hot button. Your life for a couple bucks, I mean... 
yeah. doesn't balance itself out, right? Okay, what is your favorite car or vehicle or motorcycle or boat, whatever, anything? He His was a space shuttle, by the way. Nice. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's PL on it. That's why <laughs> <laughs> the tiles are used with PL. We're, we're still having an argument that it might be silicon on, on the shingles on it. No, I, <laughs> I, I looked it up. It's and PL cedar Loctite. It's not PL Premium. <laughs> Love There's it. this image of him with a tool belt and a caulking gun walking up to the space shuttle. I got to fix that tile up there. Right? And by the way, it's cedar <laughs> shake. <laughs> cedar so, shake. what is your favorite vehicle out there? Like you, I ride motorcycles. So, it's really any super sport. Nice. Particular brand? I really like the Kawasaki's, but really, super sports. Nice. Mine is a, a Mercedes AMG. Anything AMG. Yeah. They're just so well done. <laughs> we have a room full of Mercedes boys here. What? <laughs> uh, least favorite vehicle? I'm not sure what they're called, but like those little square looking things. Like the, I think it's a Kia Soul, something like that. Oh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty horrendous looking, man. They look like they're... But good enough to be a doorstop, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> and, and this podcast is brought to you by Kia Soul. <laughs> <laughs> well, there goes your sponsor. <laughs> what is it for you, Todd? That's a great question. Probably uh, like the old Volvos. They were just terrible looking. Yeah. Uh, you mean the classics? Are we going back to the 50s and 60s? No, no, not... 80s? Yeah, I would say like the 80s. Oh, when they the were boxes. Having, yeah, they the were just boxes, like, man. I couldn't believe they put them on the road. Yeah. <laughs> You'd cut your arm when you walked by it, man. Sure They're so sharp. Uh, what construction sound or noise do you love? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> There's no sound that you love? I see like a safety line winch like... pulling up something. No, I don't know. I don't know. Come back to me. Mine's the demolition hammer. Lots of guys like that. Yeah. The I, demo cause, hammer. Because I know stuff's going on. Yeah, that's yeah, why right. they're, they're making money. They're making money. <laughs> Production. <laughs> Opportunity. Yeah. 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 Opportunity. Actually, I, I think for me it's got to be a Cirque saw. Yeah. Cirque saw? I don't know. I just something I like about working with wood. Particular so. brand? I'm not really. Oh. Someone very diplomatic here. <laughs> we sell them all. They're all good. What construction <laughs> sound or noise do you hate? Got to be a saw on metal. That screeching. Ah, yeah. that's blackboard action. I know. <laughs> I know. Todd? Yeah, I think uh, it's that squeaking when they're drywalling into wood, and you can hear that like really high-pitched squeak. That's over 80 dB, I tell you that oh, much. Absolutely, it is. I yeah. can't stand that. That, that rotor zipping in the box, and they hit the 2 by 4 Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yep. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Love to be an NHL hockey player, but we all wow. know that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, for me, it, it was a police officer. I, I went through the testing, did everything, and didn't go through with it because I had a family. Uh, what profession would you not like to do? Probably something in sanitation. Mm, Honeyland, eh? <laughs> yeah, most honeymen. <laughs> <laughs> For me, probably a police officer again. Now really? With, now with everything going on. What's going on in the world, yeah, eh? I, I feel terrible for the... For yeah, the, it's, it's true. That profession right now. I agree. Last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? 
Fantastic. <laughs> We've had some good ones. I think I know what he's going to say. Well, you tried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he's going to say, we need to talk. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, no. All kidding aside, uh, I hope he says, uh, you did a good job. Awesome. That's what man. I'm looking for. Gentlemen, thank you very much. And to your silent friend over there who's been watching, thank you again so much. This has been very, very educational. That's why we do the show. We do the show because we actually want to share this information and learn for ourselves. So hopefully a lot of people are listening. They're paying attention to it. And they're, hey, if you want to come on the show, come on the show because it's lots of fun. We've been told we have lots of fun. Yeah. You guys are not nervous yep. anymore, right? It was all good. It was you a great time. Started with a killer great. track, a rendition. There you go. <laughs> Unbelievable, by the way. Exactly. Perfect. He's available for birthday parties, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so one last time, at Profasco on IG, on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, on LinkedIn, www.brofasco.com, Canadian service at hdsupply.com, and it's one 272 Call these guys, email these guys, reach out to them, find the store that's nearest to you guys, and then ask them all these questions and get safetyed up on the job site and make everybody go home. That's it. Simple as that, man. Do your job, do your skills, share your skills, do all that stuff, but go home. Go home, man, to your families. That's all we're going to say. So once again, thank you very much, John. We really appreciate you you. taking the time to do the show. Carlito, get us out of here. So please reach out to them, guys. Thank you so much. This has been a podcast. What is it? 105. 105. We're getting older, Carlito. Thank you very much. Get us out of here. We're not in the T dot. No, we're in the 905. We're in the Woodbridge. The 416 TO, baby. Profasco. <laughs>